Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Hi, you Road to Growth listeners. Today I have Dr. Karen Kramer, uh, grief recovery author, speaker, uh, Maybe we'll have some tears, but hopefully a lot of positivity. Thanks, Karen, for being here today. <laughs> Thank you, Vinny. I love talking about grief with a smile on my face. <laughs> well, you, I mean, talking about that, I mean, do you have, I mean, when someone's going through like a sad moment, right? I guess a death or, I mean, a divorce, I mean, does it, do you really come with a smile on your face or is it more of kind of trying to keep it like a sadness? I mean, like, cause I, I, I don't know, like misery loves company. Right. And you almost have to bring them be at that sad po- point and then bring them back to happiness. But I guess we'll just open to that. I mean, what does that actually look like when you're talking to someone? I love it. And I love that you asked that question because actually with my new book, healthy grief, the subtitle is, normalizing and navigating loss and a culture of toxic positivity. So usually where I start with is what exactly does toxic positivity mean? And so especially this, this question is perfect, Vinny, because it steps right into it. So positivity, we think, hey, wouldn't it be nice for people to be in a positive attitude and mood? When somebody is going through grief, the biggest thing that they want is to be seen, heard, and understood. To be seen, heard, and understood. So let's say for imagine that you're going through some form of grief. And you, by the way, you touched upon it. Grief can be more than just death and dying. It could be a divorce. It could be a health issue. It could be um, a retirement. You're not quite sure what to do. Empty nester. Um, It could be a loss of hopes and dreams. So any kind of grief. And I'm kind of getting the sense that you're going through something like that, right? So let's just imagine that case. Now, if I try to cheer you up, by whatever I do or say, and really what you want is to be seen, heard, and understood for what you're going through, I'm hindering your healthy grief process by doing so. And that is part of toxic positivity, is when either I, as a griever, feel I have to put on the happy, smiley face because I sure don't want you to ask me any questions about what's going on because I don't want to lose it. I don't want to break down crying or I don't want to ruin the mood. So I myself, as a griever, may actually put on the positivity because I'm blocking that, but I'm also hindering my own grief. And also as a supporter, I may want to say something just out of great intention because I want to cheer you up, Vinny, right? Because I want to make sure you're positive and come on, you know, let's put on that smiley face. But in reality, if I'm doing that and you honestly just want to be seen, heard and understood for what's going on, I'm hindering your healthy grief process. That that like when I'm going through a bad moment and, and someone's like, oh, let me get cheered up. And I'm like get out of my face like i just need to to let this out like so no yeah i totally agree that's uh it's a, it's a tough thing but it's it's also i mean usually the only time you see someone oh the sad moment on like social media is like oh 
no filter or something like that. But for the most part, it's like, let me get the positivity out there. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because social media has, well, we could say so much about social media, right? So we can start with the fact that typically people put only the positive things that are going on in life, right? There's all these memes about, oh, the perfect picture when behind the picture, it's a messy family, but you're showing the picture of the perfect house with the perfect kids, with the perfect relationship and everything. And I, you know, I've done it too. You know, like, hey, um, where's everything where it looks just perfect? Where behind the scenes, it's a mess. And also I have, I have actually talked about social media. I have more followers on my personal page than I do on my fan page. And when that came about, it came about two years ago. So at the time when we're recording this, it's been two years since my mother passed away, which was two weeks after my brother passed away. And what I did at that period of time was when they were in that, that process, when we knew my brother was was in his passing years. And my mom, the day after my brother said to me, hey, I didn't think I was gonna live this long. I'm curious what it's like to pass over. And at the age of 97, honoring her decision and going through that process for two weeks before her passing, what I did on my personal page is I shared that journey and I was vulnerable and I was real with people. And I didn't get on social media and say, Blah, this is what's going on. You know, like you kind of like you're hinting and like, hey, you know, just let me just get it out there and be raw and real. I came with intention because that's the work that I do with my clients. I put it out there and with every post that I shared vulnerably in the media, in the meet immediately. So it, this was a Facebook live that I was doing periods of time throughout this. I shared vulnerably, but I shared with a purpose. I said, here's my learning or here's some things that I'm going through that's helping me. And during that process, when I was sharing vulnerably, when I was sharing as vulnerably with a purpose, people were sharing my videos with a message. And I didn't even realize it till afterwards that I ended up getting the viewership afterwards as well as the followership afterwards. That's not what I was looking for. I was just looking to share so other people can learn what I was going through, not knowing that I eventually would end up writing a book. There was a um, uh, one of my lower moments was like oh, a couple years back and uh, probably four or five years ago, I don't know, five years ago before I'm with my current wife and all that stuff. But I got a bad breakup and there was this one YouTube video and there's other stuff that was happening at the time. It all kind of accumulated. But there's one YouTube video where the guy was just talking about it. He goes, hey, you know what? I'm going through it right now. And like I must, and it's like five minute video or something like that. But I must have listened to that video. Oh my gosh, 50, 60 times. And it was just one of those things like people, they want to know they're not alone, right? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Vinny. They want to know it's there is, I, I'm going to say it again. When you are going through some form of a grief, a loss in your life. So let's step back. Grief is when you have some some deep emotion associated with a significant loss when what once was is no longer when what once was is no longer kind of like a proverbial book in this chapter you had that relationship you had that health you had that job you had the finances whatever it was something happens 
what once was is no longer. And even though it's simple in a book to change the page to start stepping into that next chapter, grief is that process in between. Right. So as we are going through this in between process between one chapter and initiating starting the other, all these emotions start to come up. And oh, by the way, how we go through grief, all those thoughts, feelings, actions and reactions that that encompass this experience we call grief based upon this loss, that experience of grief that we have is based upon our past traumas, triggers and limiting beliefs. So, for example, if we have two siblings that have the same kind of loss, the two siblings have lost a parent, a parent has passed away, these two siblings, these two siblings are going to experience grief differently because of their own triggers, traumas, and limiting beliefs that are underneath that. So when we are stressed, when we are in a grief situation, when things aren't going right in your life, like think of it this way, just talk about stress, like like I can have the perfect relationship and be all cheery and wonderful to people. And then there's going to be a stress situation. Somebody cuts me off on the freeway or I get a, a rude waiter or something in the restaurant. And all of a sudden my ugly comes out. Okay. So when our ugly comes out and then that's a situation that ugly is based upon our past traumas, triggers, and limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. So in the work that I'm doing is getting people to understand that when we are talking about this thing called grief, if we're going to do something about it, we don't just start with the grief. We start with what's underneath that, what's underneath that ugly that comes out for us. What, you know, for myself, even when I wrote the book, when my father was passing away, what was coming out was this belief that I had created about myself and about death and my parents when I was five years old. Is that, I mean, and, and I know we really haven't, I mean, this is a unique, I think, episode being that, I mean, we're, we focus, I mean, on individuals that have the, the business and they're talking about how they built the business and kind of when they've had that kind of pain or that struggle or that hiccup, how they kind of work through it. And, and that pain hiccup is, is really kind of how you started your, your speaking, how you wrote your book, things like that. So it's a unique kind of thing of, of trying to find the roadmap to get for people can understand. Right. So I guess let's, let's rewind a little bit. What all accumulated, you talked about the, the, the death you talked, I mean, what are some of those things that accumulated to guide you on the path of saying, Hey, I want to help other people in this grief kind of avenue. Yes. And there are multiple different uh, stories along the way, various different grief experiences that I've had that have led to this. But if I was to rewind, it would be the story that I just started with. So my father passed away in 2012. And a month after he passed away, I put my beloved 18 year old cat to sleep. Now, mind you, when my father passed away, I did the dutiful thing as a daughter and I stuck, jumped to all the logistics and I took care of the bills and I started the celebration of life and I did all the things, which at that time I didn't realize was just to keep me busy. So I didn't engage in the emotions, i.e. the grief process. So I just stuck to the logistics. And here it was a month later when I had to make the decision to put my beloved 18 year old cat to sleep. And while I was sitting there in the veterinary's office, 
with my cat in the process of it, all this emotion just started bubbling up. Okay, so we never know what really is going to spark it. So I came home and my my husband and my three younger kids were in the process of digging the ditch right next to one of our other beloved pets that had passed away. You know, when you have kids and you have pets, you have this pet cemetery, like, you know, under which rock or which tree. So we were going through that process and I called up my mom to share with her around the news about my, my beloved cat putting it to sleep. And she shared, without getting into all the details, she shared some information about the celebration of life and disinviting this family member in, in place of this family member. And at normal times, Vinny, I would have been irritated, but I would have been able to work, work it out. But at that point in time, it was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. And what happened, I had already started to open up the grief cycle that I had been stuffing down for a month. And I hit this rage, which you don't know me all that well. Those who do know that that is not my norm. I normally don't go rage. I'm like, you know, one of the most mellow people you'll know. But I just hit this just rage. I started screaming and yelling at my mom. I hung up the phone. By the way, my family, there's four generations of it this, that live on family land. So when I say I walked two, this is like all within three to five minutes. So I walked down to my mom's house. She's on the phone with my older brother. I grab the phone. I scream and cuss at my brother. I hang up the phone. I yell at my mom. I leave. I go up to my next brother's house, not, not knowing that my mom said, your, your sister's on a rage. Don't open up the door. They wouldn't open up the door. I went to my house. I left a string of ex expletives on their voicemail. I mean, I was just beyond angry. And after I calmed down and looked at the carnage, I thought, okay, I created this, right? My kids and my husband were afraid to step all over, you know, not knowing what was happening. So I said, okay, well, then let me go see a therapist like that seems to be the logical logical route and by the way as i'm sharing this i love therapists i love medical professionals they have helped me in the past this is my experience and this is also to answer Vinny, your question what led me to the book to clarify i'm not just going off track here so i went to a therapist i believe she was newly minted at that point in time looked at my credentials looked at me and said, I think you have situational anxiety. I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but okay. So even in my medical charts, congratulations, it says I have situational anxiety, even 10 years, 12 years later. So I walked out of a therapy session, not dealing with my grief. It was nothing in there about dealing with my grief and everything to label me with a checked box saying I have situational anxiety, sending me off to anxiety group session, which I don't remember anything about. So then a couple weeks later, I had another meltdown with one of my youngest sons. And, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should see my doctor. I was in my early 40s. And I thought maybe this emotional outburst is me with my hormones. So I went to see my doctor. And within two minutes, she of explaining what had happened and led up to that day that uh, when my when I put my cat to sleep, she cut me off and prescribed me drugs, basically hormonal drugs. And 
I'm not the one that that typically takes any kind of drugs. So I'm like, oh no. And she's like, no, really, we can put it in. We can, we can, we can install it today, whatever the not install, but whatever it is. I'm like, no, no, I'm not not being placed on any drugs. So I came home and my husband said, you know that destination spa that you've been really looking into, which for those of us in San Diego and Vinny, you may know in Vista, Calavi is a, a well-known destination spa and it was wonderful it was Vinny. it was amazing i went i was like away from all the chaos got to eat healthy food exercise relax massage acupuncture it was absolutely heavenly then within two hours of being home i was bickering with my loving husband again and it had nothing to do with him and everything to do with me. And I realized in there as I was stepping back, I said, what was what wasn't helping me was individuals that were trained to look for certain behaviors to box me into certain situations, label me, prescribe me drugs or give me only temporary solutions to the surface level symptoms of what was going on. Nobody took the time to dive down to really understand and unearth the grief I was going through. It is just quick to give me a label, drugs, or temporary solutions. And now, even though that was in 2012, my goal ever since that was I don't want other women or men, even though my focus is on women, please understand this is not just women's alone, is want individuals to have to be focused just because with, with traditional talk therapists, traditional medical, in a way that's going to label them and just medicate them or cut whatever it is out without understanding what's underneath. Now, let me go even further to say this, this is not against a traditional talk therapist. This is not against traditional medical and everything to say, this is our culture. This is our society that wants quick fix and quick answers, right? If I'm in emotional pain, I don't want somebody to take forever to try to figure out how to release my pain. If I go to the doctor for a physical pain, I don't want them to take forever to try to figure out how to get rid of it. So they've been trained on what kind of diagnostic systems they have in therapy. It's the DSM. You have these criteria. Here's your diagnosis and here's your your, your um, the prescriptions for it. Same similar procedure with medical. Like it's out there to help provide the quick fixes. However, those quick fixes are also things that are just putting band-aids on the symptoms and not necessarily dealing with what's underneath. So there actually are a lot more research. You hear a lot of passion behind it because it also goes into my book. There's a lot more research out there, two primary theorists as well as books. Dr. Basil Vanderkolk, who wrote The Body Keeps the Score, one that's more common, and even as a psychotherapist, he talks about where psychotherapy is missing out on just prescribing drugs, for example, versus getting down to, to, to solving what's underneath that. Another is Dr. Gabor Mate, who is a physician who his most recent book is The Myth of Normal. And what he does is he actually looks at the medical facilities, the medical industry, and says, we also have a challenge because we're so quick to find the quick fixes. And it really is a cultural issue because 
we are not dealing, we're just putting a Band-Aid on situations. We're not getting down to what's underneath it. So all of this to say, when I wrote the book and when I opened up the Villa Vision Wellness and Retreat Center, I wanted to provide a space where I'm bringing in not only my wonderful services, but other holistic health practitioners that are able to help individuals either in conjunction with talk therapists, metal professionals, or other professionals, or in it, so in addition to, in with, or, it, or another solution, another option, to be able to allow them to address what the real issue was. So for me, if I had somebody to address the grief, I wouldn't have gone through some of those. If, okay, so I, I know you talked about before where you had basically the 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 Facebook lives, I guess, right? Where people are listening to you during the grief, right? And people are listening to it. So it's one thing that, I guess people are listening to you freely. It's another thing that they want to buy your book right or go to your retreat so what gave you basically i guess the confidence or the reassurance right and and, and i guess for your husband too that gave hey you're going to be spending some money some time on this to go forward with it to take that dive and go okay i'm going to write a book i'm going to build an area for a retreat what where did that come from Yes, it's a good question, Vinny. So I've been in the field of leadership development and coaching for over 30 years. So that's part of my background. However, I also realized here five years ago that I was only dealing with the conscious mind. So the conscious mind is one of those like, hey, typical life coach, what is it that you want to do? Where do you want to go? And let's create the plan and help me hold you accountable. That's the type of coach I was for executives down to teenagers and everything in between. Then six years ago, the love of my life walked out of my life. And I thought I could DIY myself through my own divorce because, hey, I was a coach, right? I'd been a coach for about 25 years. I can DIY myself through this. Heck no, because we're the worst to know our own problems. What is that Albert Einstein who said you can't solve your problems from the same level of thinking that created them? Right. Oh, wow. That's a good one. So again, I would I'm a great coach, but not a great coach for myself. So I actually got into the body of work, neuro linguistics programming, NLP or the the, uh, neuroscience, basically, because I've expanded into other areas of that as well. So understanding the subconscious or unconscious mind, basically the seat of where our past traumas, triggers, and limiting beliefs lie. So the last five years I've been doing that. And when I got trained in that, I also got hired on with an organization and traveled with them even throughout COVID as the head coach to help certify over 1,200 individuals in the last four years. So beyond my own private clients, I was working with these individuals and helping them through. And you can imagine during the course of COVID, the various different things that would come up, all the fears, all the, the, the struggles, the chaos that happened because they weren't able to do or be what they wanted to do, or they were also losing loved ones in the process. So I had that experience and I saw some miraculous results from it, including those things that showed up in the body. So in writing this book that was 
I already told the story behind that something needed to be done. You asked a good question. Well, why me? What's the experience I have behind it? What I found in the process of the last five years working with over 1,200 individuals to be able to get to those past traumas, triggers, and limiting beliefs. I've also found the benefit of doing it, which is also more about what settles in the body. So one of the, I call her the poster child for this book, was who was the, the client that I worked with who said, I definitely, definitely need to write this book. She had come to me because she had stage two colon cancer. What came from the time that I worked with her is that it, it came back to five years prior to that. Well, let me step, let me, let me stop here. Her doctor said to her, Stephanie, because she is in my book, she is open about it. Stephanie, you have just been diagnosed with this, but this has been growing in your body for five years. So she knew the body of work I did finally came to me and said, okay, let's do the work. Well, what had happened was five years prior to her diagnosis was when her husband tragically passed away and she had been carrying the guilt about not being able to save him. Guilt does settle in the body. Unresolved grief will settle in the body. So in the process of the work that we did was releasing that past trauma, right, that was underneath from the body. In addition to that, it was also going back to a traumatic event that happened when she was six years old. All of that within a four and a half period, four and a half hour period of time to allow her body to be able to heal. She was one story of clients that I have worked with. So not only have I helped them deal with their grief and dealing with the past traumas, triggers and limiting beliefs, but also it is working with how grief settles in the body and how it can be released from the body. No, no guarantee, not with everybody. So this is not saying this is the end all and be all, but this is one way for people to understand grief does settle in the body if unresolved and you do have an opportunity to release it, but not with quick band-aids, not with quick band-aids. You need to get down to what's underneath that and it can be done quickly and easily, just like it was with Stephanie in just four and a half hours. Yeah. NLP, we could have a whole nother podcast about that. That's uh it's, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're listening to this right now and, and you maybe don't have grief and maybe, I mean, Dr. Karen is not right for you. I mean, you can still reach out about the NLP stuff. I mean, um, and if you I don't, can do you still, out on that too. <laughs> do you still do NLP? I do. Yes. Okay. Do you it, still teach it? It's the basis it? of everything I do. Do you still teach it too, NLP? I do not teach it. I was the head coach to support it. So I know two different organizations that, that do teach it and train it. I am not certified to train it. I was head coach to help support them in that. Okay. So yeah, if, if it may be, even if you're friends with Dr. Garen or, or reaching out to her, just to talk about that. I mean, if for salespeople, it's a great avenue. They have classes. You can do the weekend classes, the four hour class, whatever it might be. But um, yeah, fantastic. Well, where do you see uh, the, the platform going? Like if we were talking in five years, Dr. Karen, what's your, what's your goal? What's your North star? It is my North Star. I love it. So where I'm going is since the passing of my mother, I have the opportunity to buy out the rest of the family land, which will make a total of five acres. So right now the Villa Vision Wellness and Retreat Center is housed around my property. So on here, I've been holding retreats. So I have a, uh, uh, an esthetician who works through a spa room. I have an in, uh, infrared sauna. 
I have the guest room for my clients, the retreat space, the pool, the jacuzzi, etc. So in the process of building out the land where I see myself in five years is actually creating the facilities that will house more people to be able to stay on site and imagine yourself going to a traditional day spa where your your concierge may say, hey, Vinny, do you want a massage? Do you want a facial? Do you want a pedicure? Whatever that is. But in this case, imagine you going to the Villa Vision Wellness and Retreat Center and that concierge taking information about what you want from that center. It may be something like you go to for a traditional life coach. Hey, I'm not quite sure what I want to do and I want to figure out my purpose. Or maybe a traditional therapist. I'm dealing with the divorce or death and I need to process through the emotions. Or they may go to a traditional medical center. Hey, I'm coming up with this ailment or this, this, I just got diagnosed with this. Anything in between, this concierge can take in information. And then with the, the collection of holistic health practitioners, provide individuals two to three different options to be able to support their journey to health. I am amazing at what I do. And I also know there are other holistic health practitioners, various different modalities that are out there. So my goal with the Villa Vision Wellness and Retreat Center is to bring those individuals in. It doesn't need to physically be in here. It can just be a directory to provide those resources to people who know, one, they are not alone. And two, there are other alternatives to support the traditional services that we have out there. That's the five-year goal. Do you still, I mean, I think sometimes when we do something over time, right, we can get numb to it, right? I mean, I know in the real estate field, there's 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 moments that I have to kind of remind myself, right, when I'm working with a client, okay, this, right, or I see a, a house as a hoarder, right, and I go, oh, I've seen stuff like this before, and I don't have maybe the same level, right? Is there is there any sort of like, I don't know the right word of putting it, but a numbness to it or something that you work through where it's like, oh my gosh, this person just had like their kid pass away. They're this or, oh, well, you know what? But I've seen this before. I've seen this so many times. It's not really as bad as they think it's going to be. And I mean, how does that level headed, but also, I guess, going to the same level as each of your your people, that, that your customers, I guess? They're clients that I'm working with. I'm... Um, there are there's so many different things I could say. So I'm going to come to the most current. This ha happens to be a friend of mine, so not necessarily a client. So this goes to a friend. Um, I have a dear friend of mine who just recently lost her son to mental illness and um, suicide. So when something like that happens, it is it's devastating. It's not like something like you can quickly put a Band-Aid over it and they're going to feel better because it's the, the, the worst grief you can have is the loss of a child. Let's start there, right? The worst grief is the loss of a child. So the best thing you can do when I'm, I'm working, whether it's a client or a dear friend, is just be present, just hold space. And when I say hold space and be present, also is creating that space so I'm not taking on that energy. It's sad. It is horrible what has happened. I also can't take on that energy because I can't walk away and then that affects my life, my perspective, my home, my kids, et cetera. 
So creating that space and energy for someone, whether they are a client or not, to be able to come, to be seen, heard, understood, to be able to vent, to be able to cry, to be able to be angry, to be whatever in that space and know it is a safe place for me. This office right here has seen a lot of horrific things that have come up and I've let clients know I am here. You can't say anything that's going to throw me off because trust me, Vinny, I have heard a couple of horrible things. You've even sat down with individuals who they themselves have been the perpetrator in molestations and rapes. I have heard various different things that have out there. And I'm not here to judge. I'm here to hold space for them to be able to process through whatever it is that they're going on and then also be able to wash the energy both from me as well as the space to not let it settle in. Well, um, thank you so much, Dr. Karen, for, for being on the, the platform. People are listening and they're looking to get more information about your book, get more information about basically speaking engagement, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, what's the best way of them getting more information? The best way is to is to go to my website, drkarenkramer.com, D-R-K-A-R-E-N, just in case you're wondering, K-R-A-M-E-R. Dot com. On there, there is in the upper right hand corner, there is to book a call and that is the best way to get on my calendar. So that way you and I have more time that we can spend together. Also on there is also a link to Healthy Grief if you're interested in that book as well. I, I, I'm going to finish off with just one last, last question. <sighs> okay. the Because I hear this all the time in real estate, right? The goal is to have, okay, have a plot of land and we're all going to build houses on one plot of land. And it sounds like you had that and now you kicked everyone off and it's converting to a business. What happened? Well, I have, so I didn't kick everybody off. I have my grandparents settled here in the 1940s. We had 18 acres. It's been split up amongst, you know, amongst the various different family. So I have an acre and a half and then there's three and a half acres that are in trust right now. That was my parents. So actually, I am looking at renovating, not only building out the open space, but renovating what's there, which includes two rentals that are already rented, the family home I was using for retreat home, but my son wants to move into it. So it's becoming another rental. It's his home. But there's also my mom's 3000 square foot art studio. She was a pottery and ceramic teacher. It had 70 years of her artwork in it. And that's something I'm looking at turning around to become a space for art therapy. So I am looking at using the various different parts of what's already on here and building the rest out as it comes. <laughs> so the, the, the dream, the full dream of having family, having, I guess, new friends, past friends, all living on this kind of area is still there, I guess. It is. And do I have the complete vision, Vinny? No. I will tell you, when I launched the Villa Vision Wellness and Retreat Center a year and a half ago, yeah. I had this mission that I had to build out to be able to hold retreats and to do all this. And I've realized that I don't need to build out to be able to start. So I already hold retreats. I already had retreat housing. I already have an esthetician who works through my spa room. I already have a infrared sauna. I have all these things that are already here, even though it's an expansion of my own home. I just know once I get to the point of buying and building out, I can add on more services. And who knows, in a year or two, like I didn't even know about infrared saunas a year ago. 
So who knows a year or two from now what that will look like. And I'm okay with that. I don't need to know exactly what's going to happen in a year or two. I just know it will happen and I will continue to expand. Thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Karen. Uh, hopefully everyone got some some great nuggets right there. Um, I mean, if you're going through something right now, it could be in business, it could be in personal, it could be whatever it might be. Know that you're not alone. Reach out to Dr. Karen. Go in the show notes. Go find her. Um, subscribe to the, the podcast here. I mean, try to be as honest as possible. We're all going through something, some bigger than others, but we're all going through something, so you're not alone. Thank you, guys. Please subscribe. Please share and go find Dr. Karen. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.